I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, I'm Kathy Bowdish, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with American-Polish champion Kathy Bowdish about adapting to the Polish bridge scene, playing with the Objectivity team, and her enjoyment of Polish bridge lingo. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's cube it. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> Jocelyn, I'm great. I am great. How about last night? <laughs> that was really funny and, and a bit embarrassing, I must say. Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm-hmm. we have an embarrassing story to share. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, divulge all. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we're just laying it all out there, I guess. Okay. So we were playing an online tournament. The opponents opened a two club. It went pass, pass, pass. I started to get very agitated. I'm telling my partner, I'm chatting to the table, lead. My partner says, just asking a question in the chat. And I know she's asking the the two club person, was this a strong two club? I'm like, just lead. (laughs) And then you wrote back to the table. Back off, partner. (laughs) (laughs) And then you wrote me privately afterwards, completely rattled by the auction. And and I wrote back, I just didn't want them to ask for an undo. (laughs) Because they had obviously passed out a forcing two-club opener. And I am not, um, I'm not honorable enough not to seize on an opportunity to get a good board <laughs> by capitalizing 
on opponents' mistakes. And what I didn't want to have happen, obviously, was for them to ask for an undo before you had led. Yeah. Because then we would have to refuse them the undo. Whereas I thought if you had led first, then it's going to be impossible for them to ask for an, an undo and we won't have to we won't have to refuse them or anything. So it's embarrassing because we should be playing. We should be good sportsmen and we should <laughs> not be taking advantage of when a distracted opponent does something silly. But it's not like they're also not capitalizing when I do stupid things. So it seems like it goes around, comes around. I just didn't have my wits about me at all, Jocelyn, or I would have led. I was just so confused about what was going on. And I thought, gosh, <laughs> this is some strange week to club opening that hasn't been alerted. What's happening here? And then I'm so embarrassed because you're like, lead, lead, which, you know, I completely get. And then I'm like, back off. <laughs> I couldn't find a more elegant or friendly or warm way to say it. <laughs> but I do think it's a good example of how sometimes we forget ourselves a little at the table. Not that I think we were that bad, but it is a lot of pressure in the moment to know the right thing to say. Yes, absolutely. I'd like to think that I have a little bit more class than to say lead, <laughs> lead, lead partner. <laughs> but I don't. So. <laughs> I will say generally you do. You're a very classy lady. And I would like to say that I wouldn't like to imply that I'm always threatening my partner with a fist fight in the alleyway. <laughs> Back off, partner. <laughs> Maybe that could be the new name of our podcast. <laughs> Back off, partner. <laughs> I love it. I look for it at the merch store. We might end up with a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's really funny. So, Jocelyn, I had a look in our mailbag, and we've got a couple of letters from Phil from the Bay Area, and they're both on the theme of rudeness, so I thought they would make sense for today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. They're both short. Shortly after starting to play regularly in the open game, we sat at a table where South was known to be sometimes gruff and insensitive. <laughs> Favorite kind of partner or opponent. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm ne I've never met any of them. <laughs> he declared a contract and at the end said, that was fun. First I Ed played her, then I Ed played you. <laughs> Back off, opponent. <laughs> take you outside <laughs> I replied yes it was great because I could tell it was happening as you did which means I was learning <laughs> good for Phil yes <laughs> stick it to them Phil Phil says I'm still not sure if he realized how someone else might have responded to what he said but ever <laughs> since he seeks us out at the club to say hello <laughs> oh I think it was lost on him I think it was lost on your rude opponent but that's good. Very good. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's like those shush ladies, that letter we had a while back about those people who were told off by their opponents and then sought them out at every opportunity afterwards. So now this is also in the, in the territory of, of rudeness, but in a different kind of way. Also from Phil. And thanks, Phil, again. So here we go. We went to a sectional playing up 
in a 499er Strat rather than a 99er Strat. We were east-west. After round one, we moved to the next table where north-south were conferring urgently but quietly over the table. No, it wasn't a partnership disaster or a discussion of their system. It turns out that North had a real conundrum. The North player at the table one row to the right and in front of her had a huge plumber's crack and she was petrified (laughs) at the prospect of having it in her field of vision for the next three hours. (laughs) (laughs) So the two of them were talking about whether they could call the director to rectify the situation. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, that happened to me. And I was at a tournament and there was someone in my field of vision with a plumber smile. (laughs) And I was very distracted. And that could have been that could be me, or maybe this is something that happens all the time <laughs> at Bridge that people don't know how to pull up their pants. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Rectify it. Rectify it, partner. <laughs> oh, that's just so awful. Yes, I think that situation definitely needs to be rectified. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any good stories about rudeness at Bridge or a situation that needed to be rectified, please do send them to us. You can email them, you can Instagram them, or you can leave a voice message. All the links are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Kathy Bowdish. American-Polish champion Kathy Bowdish was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but she moved to Poland over 20 years ago, and she now plays for the Polish national women's team. Her titles include bronze at the 2012 World Mind Games, bronze at the 2016 European Team Championships, gold at the 2018 European Championships, and silver at the 2019 European transnationals. We began by asking about any interesting recent hands. So one of the things that I found when playing uh, with my daughter Polish Club, which is our preferred system, is that people who aren't very familiar with Polish Club, they tend to be a little bit afraid or sometimes even put off by it. And this was a, a couple of weeks ago. We were playing on a platform called Real Bridge, which has video and audio in it. <laughs> Our opponents were playing uh, some contract and they had like, I don't know, three or four rounds of bidding and some conventions, maybe some something artificial. And we were just passing throughout. And at, at the end of the auction, one of the opponents at the declarer before before the opening lead, he, he asked my daughter, what does your partner's passes mean? <laughs> there were probably three passes from me and two or three passes from her. She was taken aback by this question and she thought about it and she said, natural. (laughs) So that's about one of the funniest hands I've had in a while. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. That is great. What is your earliest memory of Bridge? 
when my parents played and my brother and sister and I, we were, were little kids and they had bridge parties either at the house or they would go to somebody's house once a month. We were always excited when they came to our house, the the bridge couple for just an evening of rubber bridge because whatever snacks they had, and it was usually M&Ms and Thin Mint Patties would be left over. They would be sitting there on the counter in the morning when we got up. So we would just go and raid the leftover bridge mix and bridge snacks. And that was a big excitement. So you grew up in the United States, yes? Yes, in Michigan. Pretty much I I was raised in uh, Kalamazoo and went to university at U of M in Ann Arbor. And so then how did you end up in Poland? So I was working in Chicago and I met my future husband at the Bridge Club. And first we got we formed a partnership and then we got married, had two kids. And after, I don't know, I think our oldest was six. We took a longer holiday in Poland where he's from originally. And we stayed for three months and we thought about it and we decided to go back. It was supposed to be a two-year project. And now we've been back in Poland for over 20 years. So, And one of the things that I really loved about the whole adventure of coming over here was the the bridge environment. So it was definitely related to to our decision to move. Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences between the American bridge scene and the Polish bridge scene? Sure. I was already a, an avid tournament player before I met my husband. So I just loved playing bridge. And over there, it was a little bit like a completely different world. This was more than 20 years ago, and it's changed uh, a bit now. But back then, I remember the first time uh, showing up at a something like a local sectional on a Sunday for a team game at 10 o'clock in the morning, seeing all these guys, because it was mostly men, walk in, and they had a lot of them had these handlebar mustaches and big 10-inch plastic cups of beer at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And it just really looked like the Wild West of the the bridge frontier. And after, you know, with some time, as I got to some experience participating in that environment, it really did feel like there was such a cast of characters. And it really fascinated me because it was so very different. Just to clarify, you're speaking about in Poland? Yes. Okay, I see. So what was it like previously when you were playing in the U.S., in Chicago, for example, as compared with the Wild West, Alice in Wonderland, uh, looking glass kind of experience? Well, the Polish bridge community and the style of play, it's, I would say, more competitive, a little bit less social. The level of card play is, is quite high. There are now seem to be more beginners, I, I would suppose, or maybe intermediate style players because there have been programs to in- introduce bridge to new communities as this kind of peak of bridge popularity seemed to have waned kind of in a natural way like it did in the States. So, but it, at the time, it was just a kind of a hermetic atmosphere. Everybody's playing the same system. They didn't have a whole lot of access to bridge publications of two over one or other things. Everybody played this Polish system, the Polish club. It's it's hard to explain, but it was just a different world, completely different world. The cultural aspect, of course, added uh, a different element. People in the States and in, in the local bridge club in the States, you know, when I 
still go back to visit my parents or something, there's cookies and pretzels and it's a little bit more relaxed atmosphere. Whereas in Poland, it's more about the game and, and playing and discussing the boards. And even until now, the major tournaments, you have an open game. There's no, there's nothing stratifi stratified. So some players never finish in, in a high level position and they don't seem to mind that. They like the competitive atmosphere and they're okay with that. They, they might take some joy or pride in playing against some top players or having a good board against the top player. But there, there are a lot of people who have never won a major tournament. There's no such thing as section tops. It's just everybody's all scored in one massive list from however many pairs there are. Were you competing at quite a high level in the U.S. before you moved to Poland? No, I wouldn't say so. Maybe some people might have considered me an up-and-coming talent. I don't really know, but I didn't have any mm -hmm. any opportunity to play on any women's team. I didn't really have any like close friends who, who were in the, the top layers of bridge at that time. I was an improving player. So are your feelings about the differences between the two places related to the opportunities that you then found for yourself once you moved to Poland? Oh, sure. Yeah, I definitely improved my game once I got over here and played in this environment and had opportunity to learn from some really excellent bridge players. I think bidding-wise, it was probably my weakest area when I was in the States. I was always pretty good as a declarer and a defender and just working out bridge problems and, and whatnot, thinking at the table, that sort of thing. It's usually been my stronger side. But partnership bidding and slam bidding and precise bidding, that has definitely improved since I've been in Poland. So your early feelings about the differences between the Polish bridge scene and the American bridge scene, how much of it was about where you were at in terms of your career versus the actual differences in the places? Oh, I don't know if I can answer that very easily. That's a tough question. It just felt like a grand adventure from the beginning, and I just loved playing bridge here. And it was easier also for my husband and I because his mother was living with us in the beginning, and so we had a built-in babysitter. Sometimes we would travel around to tournaments, all five of us, so our kids were exposed to the bridge community at a very early age. They had also friends that they grew up with in the bridge world, so maybe because it was a smaller even geographical space, we just delved into this community and this lifestyle in a way that we hadn't been in the States. So I don't know, that's an interesting question. <laughs> and how would you compare the experience with mentorship in the U.S. to what you then experienced when you got to Poland? I can't really say I had a mentor in the U.S. I was trying to play with better players whenever I could. I didn't have a regular partnership with a better player. But when I was playing in Poland after we had been here for about eight years, I wanted to find a woman partner to try out for the national women's team. And it was difficult to find somebody who was interested in forming a partnership with me. And that took a couple of years. But when I did find someone, it was a woman, Jola Krogolska, who had been on the Polish national team for decades. And once we tried out for the team 
and we made it onto the team, then we were given a lot of mentoring as part of the team. We had weekend workshops with uh, Krzysztof Martins, and we had a lot of training. The the coaching and training, uh, once I actually got onto the team, was a huge benefit. So I would say the mentoring in Poland is, is more formalized. It sounds like you felt very supported by the national organization. Yes, in some ways, yes. I mean, you still have to take advantage of what they're offering, and it still takes a huge investment of time and energy to improve your skills. But the Polish Bridge Union takes the, the coaching and, and uh, mentoring uh, seriously, and they try to invest in the players. I never represented the U.S., so I don't really know what to compare it to, but it seemed like in the U.S. it's a little bit more democratized uh, of a system, but I don't know, just speculating there. Are there particular efforts in Poland to get more women playing at the highest echelons of the game? Yeah, there are a couple of sponsors, very visible and noteworthy sponsors in the Polish bridge community who are on the Polish Union Board of Directors, and they have made an effort to include more women in sponsored teams and offering contracts or offering opportunities for women to participate in international events because there, there aren't a whole lot of women that are competing to get onto the national women's team. Sometimes there will be an open team trials and there aren't that many pairs that are trying out. But once somebody is on the team, then there seem to be a fair number of opportunities to develop and become like a professional bridge player. What would your partner say is your particular strength in the game? I've been told that it's um, declaring and uh, playing at the table so that the opponents aren't really sure what's going on and forcing them to make more mistakes than they might otherwise. <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know. I. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. Maybe it's some sort of hypnosis. I'm not really aware of it though. But my teammates, they tease me and they say that they've noticed, like one of my former partners, she said she noticed that as a dummy, she'd be watching the play unfold of a hand and there'd get to be like a critical moment when it's like people are going into the spider's nest and they're just about to fall into the trap. And then she said, after they did, after they made like some play that let me make an unmakeable contract or something, then she said that I would make this kind of like sound, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like the trick was done or something like that. And I, I was never conscious of having done that, but that's, you know, they tease me about that. What is it about the way that you play that maybe wrong foots your opponents? Well, I think there's a very important element of psychology to bridge and you have to be strong psychologically, the element of poker, keeping a poker face and being able to paint different pictures where somebody, it's like learning how to force an error sometimes. I think it's related to that. I'm reading a book on deceptive plays written by Danny Roth at the moment. What's the title? Don't Be Fooled. And it's a uh, it's a good reminder of a lot of deceptive plays that have been reported like in IBPA articles and, and whatnot. So I, I think it's an important skill. It's one of the additional elements in addition to having analytical ability and being able to count and 
count distributions and count points and count probabilities of suit breakings and whatnot. So this is one thing that, that I'm interested in. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Kathy, what would your regular partner perhaps say is your weaker area of the game? Oh, sometimes if I'm emotional because of something that's happened at the table or even away from the table, I can lose concentration. So sometimes in tense moments after long, long, important matches, if I don't concentrate till the end, yeah, it's something I work on. I don't know if they would say that, but that's what I would say. <laughs> When you say it's something that you work on, what does that mean? How do you work on sustaining concentration at the table? Getting as much practice as possible, playing high-level bridge, especially like in a exact situation, so long matches. My team in the Polish Premier League, we just played a 72 match, which 72 board match, which unfortunately we lost by four amps. But it's that kind of teaching yourself mental resilience over the long haul. And over the last few years of playing in the Polish Premier League, I've definitely felt it's gotten easier for me to do things like that. So experience, basically. One of our listeners, Harvey from Israel, has written in to us asking if we could ask some of our experts if they have any tips for how to do high-level counting during a game. And I'm wondering if there are any tips or hacks that you could share about how to count at the table? Oh, I think just learning to count out distributional patterns. So trying to imagine like if you've got a five three three two shape, what does your opponent have? You know, is it either four four three two or what are the possible distributional patterns that an opponent could have? I think that's the most important. Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? Well, I really love to travel and play bridge because I've gotten to see so many places around the world and see so many different cultures and people. It's really fascinating. But my my favoriteest of all tournaments is the annual tournament in Tel Aviv. I just love the landscape and the tournament and the cuisine and the climate. For me, it's my favorite. I've been there twice and I'd love to go back. 
What's the strangest place that you've played bridge in? I played in in the attic of a building behind a cloth curtain once in a, the third division of the Polish League. And that felt like, not behind the Iron Curtain, but it definitely felt like <laughs> we were in a, some sort of clandestine spot. <laughs> what were the circumstances? It was a building that was owned by a company that sponsored the opponent's team, and that's where they regularly played. And <laughs> it just was uh, an old communist-style building that was being used by the, the local cultural club of the company that owned the building. Any good snacks? No, that's that's not a thing over here. <laughs> <laughs> beer. <laughs> yeah, beer. People don't eat at bridge tournaments as a rule. And a few years ago, the Polish Bridge Union made it official that you're not allowed to have alcohol in the playing area of a tournament. And the directors are fairly good about that. It's because some people, of course, they cross the line and they are inebriated at the table and that ruins everybody's fun. But again, the directors are pretty good about making sure that if somebody's going out for breaks and coming back in and is not in condition to play, that they do something about it. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you while playing bridge or at a tournament? Well, my first experience on the national team, my partner, Yola Krigolska, and I, we went with this whole squad from Poland. So it was about 30 people all together to Belgium. And she had been in this era when for a Polish person to be allowed to travel abroad and have opportunity to bring a suitcase full of like cigarettes that you could sell to other bridge players and make like a three-month salary just on the profit of that. And I think a lot of Polish bridge players at the time or in the previous times, they would sell caviar and some other things. I heard a lot of stories. But because it was so expensive in the West, she was just so used to having bringing her own food supplies. So she packed her suitcase full of cold cuts, dried sausages, and a huge ham. And we got to the train station in Austin, and she couldn't carry her suitcase. So I ended up having to take her suitcase, and she took mine. That was before everything was completely on wheels. And we got to the, the hotel, and so in order to save money, we, we would just buy like a head of lettuce at the grocery store. And then we'd cut up these sausages and, and ham onto the salad every day for lunch. And I was so sick of ham at the end of that week. I could not touch <laughs> any more ham. So she finally agreed on the last day that we could toss the last bits out. But that was after 10 days. <laughs> Were her clothes in the same suitcase with the ham? They were. That Now you ask that, you would think she smelled like ham. I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your most fascinating or unusual or interesting opponent or partner or person that maybe was in the same competition? Well, my most fascinating, this would be a, like a team of people, are the current people that I play with in the Polish Premier League. So... I just want to say a shout out to the objectivity team led by our fearless captain, Rob Hella, and his partner, Ed Hogenkamp from Holland. And our teammates is Steve Green from England and Simon DeWise from Holland. And whenever we get together for a weekend of bridge, it is nonstop fun and laughter. And they're just great guys. 
And my my family, they ask me like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Where are you going this weekend or something like that? And from listening to the stories, they refer to these teammates as the silly boys. So they say, oh, where are you going this week? Oh, you're with the silly boys. Okay. And they like to play pranks on each other. For example, Ed, one of his standard jokes is like when we're all sitting in the restaurant for dinner and the waitress will come in and they, since we're in Poland, they have to explain like, what is the special of the day? And they have to translate, what is it? Bigos is like cabbage stew or gawamkis. It's like cabbage rolls with rice or something like that. So they're all listening and they'll order something. And so then whenever the waitress brings out the dinners they've ordered, Ed will always take Steve's dinner. And she'll say, okay, who ordered the Bigos? And Ed will say, oh, yeah, that's mine. And it, it takes Steve a while to, to catch on to the fact that whatever he thought he was getting, he's not getting. <laughs> they're just like pranksters, and they're they're great guys. I just love to play with them. That's great. One thing I um, I really like about, well, this made a big impression on me in the beginning of my years in Poland, is the colorful bridge language that the bridge players here use, which it's it's very compatible with these colorful characters. And it was kind of funny when I first started noticing these words and then asking my husband, what does it mean? And there are more of these words than I can imagine in English words, bridge slang words. Like, for example, if you have a cold contract in Polish, it's a hat. <laughs> yeah, so you say it's it's a hat. And then if you are playing a contract and you go down one, after everybody puts the cards back in the box or something like this, you just say leg. That means you've gone down one. If you've kind of, you know, shot yourself in the foot while you were playing and you did something that you should have known better, then you say that you rolled the contract. So if you like roll a car or something. and right. There's a, a funny slang word for three no Trump. It's not a word that translates very easily into English. It's like a, a bread dinner roll. So it's like three bread dinner rolls. It's chibuit. That's what it is. Three <laughs> rolls. That means three no Trump. And these bridge cowboys that play in Poland, they also, they talk to each other in kind of this rough and tumble way. So they have a lot of words for making a derogatory mark to each other and maybe insulting each other. So the first level of insult, you could call somebody a client. That's you know, pretty <laughs> obvious. But they also call each other a deer, like the animal kind, or like a symbol, like the kind at the marching band. That's That would be like an insult. Why is it insulting? It's just the words that they use. Like if you refer to somebody as a deer, like you would say in English, you could say, you know, somebody from the backwoods or, you know, somebody just out of the woods or something like that. It's it's derogatory. Yeah. Are there any others? Those are the only ones that I could think of. I was trying to make a list, but now I'm really fascinated by bridge slang and I wish I could have a richer collection. And I was just reading this Danny Roth book and I and I read an English phrase, which I hadn't heard before. Maybe it's because I've been out of the States for a long time. Shark diving. That's a great bridge expression. So like when you have, you're playing a no Trump contract and you have a weak suit and you have three little in the dummy and you have Jack third in your hand and you don't want the opponents to lead that suit. So you're in an early opportunity, you play low to the Jack to try and put them off the scent. So they'll switch to some, some other suit. Swimming with sharks. 
that's that's what he well i mean he's british yeah. as far as i know that's it's got it the first time i'd heard that expression shark diving <laughs> we're also super interested in the lingo of bridge from all over and so we will certainly be including some of these expressions in the original polish in the show notes along with the translation how do you like to unwind or relax after a tournament I just usually crash and sleep it off, but sometimes we'll sit around in the in the hotel restaurant or bar or something and and drink a beer and and talk. My teammates lately they've been playing something called Carrot in a Box, which is this game where you have to guess uh, one person knows where the carrot is and the other person doesn't, and you have to make trades. I also like board games in general. I love to play with my daughter or my sister or, or friends. Wingspan, so either the board game version or the online version. Otherwise, sleeping is good. <laughs> Do you have a personal motto or catchphrase when it comes to bridge? Well, I have a little bit of a humorous one. Again, this is thanks to my teammates. We had a funny hand where my daughter opened a no trump and the opponent on my right bid two clubs for the majors and I doubled to show some points and the partner of the two club bidder passed. And it got passed out. And when the dummy came down, there was, I've forgotten now the full distribution, but I think it was something like 4432 with 44 in the minors and 32 in the majors. And the clubs on the hand were ace, 10, fourth. And the rest of the hand were spot cards. And the poor person who had to declare this had a singleton club. And so it, it went for a phone number and and after we were telling this story in the postmortem to the teammates, and we said, we, we still don't know why the guy passed his partners to club bid, because that shows clubs. And it, yeah. he was telling his partner he wanted to play clubs. So the motto was safety first, because he had the ace of Trump. He was for sure going to sh- score a Trump trick. So now that's our, our little slogan on the team. It's safety first. <laughs> that's great. Do you feel any tension about the fact that you are now playing for Poland when you were raised in the United States? No, not at all. My Polish teammates and my our coaches and captains and the members of the Polish Virginian board, they say they've adopted me and I'm one of them now. And they particularly enjoy putting me on the lineup if we're playing like in the Venice Cup against one of the American teams. They always make me play against the Americans, whether I want to or not. I, I don't know if they're doing that out of spite. No, I don't think they are, but it's kind of funny. And my friends at work, they always like to see if we are lucky enough to to bring back a medal or something like that. You know, if you win a gold medal like we did in 2018 at the European Championships, they play the Polish hymn for the gold medalists. And people at work, they love to watch those video clips and they some of the ladies at the office, they just start crying, which is really kind of weird. It took me a long time to learn the words to the Polish national anthem. How is your Polish after 20 years? I imagine it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's really difficult language to learn grammatically. And the sounds are difficult even still sometimes for me to pronounce. When I speak Polish, everybody can tell I have an accent, so I can't really hide that fact. But I feel completely comfortable speaking Polish. We're very interested in hearing how experts visualize hands. Do you see the cards around the table or do you see 
diagrams or is it more of a a mathematical process or a checklist as opposed to something that's more visual? I try to follow kind of mental checklists, which I've seen mentioned in several authors like Cantor or Mike Lawrence, where you go through a checklist of counting the points around the table, counting distribution around the table, analyze the bidding, count your winners, count your losers, check your communication between your hands. In the past, I've, I've followed that methodology a little bit more formally, and it's probably a little bit kind of habit now. But one thing that I usually do at the table is, as far as imagining, it's it kind of place the honor cards around the table. So based on uh, where the point count has fallen, even before the opening lead, if it goes a no trump, three no trump, and I have seven points, then I can figure my partner's got about eight points or a range. I can say, okay, my partner's got seven to nine points. So within that range, what kind of honor cards would fit into that point range? And then you slot them into the spots as you get more information. Exactly. Sort of like completing the diagram. Yep, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you like to play? I like the Polish bidding system a lot. And the more I play it, the more I feel comfortable and at home in it. I don't like too much system, though. I, I don't like to add a lot of new gadgets. And I like to play the same thing that I've been playing for a while. So I, if I'm playing with a new partner, like I'm starting a new partnership with a new mixed partner this year, and I'm trying to steer him towards playing the same stuff that I like to play. What is it about that system that you like? Just the familiarity of it so that I know how to handle certain situations. I feel like I know the strengths and weaknesses of the system and the competitive advantages that it gives. The whole time I lived in the States, I played two over one, and I played two over one in Poland for about the first six to eight years. There's a few disadvantages of Polish club. For example, you open one club with a balanced 11 to 14 count, so it could be four clubs or four diamonds, whereas in two over one, you would open your better minor, basically. So you can lose a diamond fit if you're playing in a part score. So some boards like that you'll lose. But on the other hand, you have the advantage of camouflage. It's harder for the defenders to know what your distribution is because it could be either this or this. Yeah, I, I think it's it's better at camouflaging stronger hands than two over one is sometimes. You also have an advantage in the Polish club. When you have a balanced 18 to 20 count, you open one club and if it's a weak hand, you'll hear a response of one diamond, and then you rebid one no trumps. So you're one level lower. And also because you've opened at the one level with one club, sometimes people will come in. So now you've got distributional information, which if you're opening a strong two no trump with some people I've noticed are starting to do it with a 19 count. If you're opening two no trump with 19 or 20 or 21, you're not going to have the same information, which might be of value to you in the play plus you're going to be a level higher. So sometimes you can win boards that way. Those are the two things that come to mind. Are there any conventions or gadgets that you don't care for or that you think are a waste of time? I really don't like support redoubles. Go on. <laughs> Why? I think you can save the redouble for a strength showing bid and use just a pass to be kind of, it could be either with or without support and can be figured out later on in the auction. So 
losing the ability to show the strong hand, which doesn't come up very much. But when you do have it, then you can show it right away. I'm a big believer in getting things off your chest as soon as possible. So if you have something to say, say it earlier. I'm not a person that will wait in the auction and bid after I've listened to a few rounds of bidding and then decide to come in, uh, step into an auction. I'd rather take a risk and say something earlier rather than wait and say something later. You do play a support double, though. It's just that you feel the redouble is better saved. Yes, that's it. Kathy, what is the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? Well, I think it's important to play with good players. I was told to play as often as possible with people that are better than me. And I I think that it's important to have this kind of humility about your own game. And it's a lifelong learning experience. So it doesn't bother me in the least if I'm playing with somebody and and I can see or feel that they're a much better player than I am. I I don't really have a complex about that, but I just want to take advantage of learning whatever I can from watching and observing and, and listening to how they approach different things. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been fun and just a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. And I've really enjoyed talking to you too. It's nice to meet you both. And I wish you all the best of luck with your podcast. I hope your listeners enjoy these bridge stories and I hope it helps them in their bridge adventures. Thank you. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Kathy Bowdish. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Thank you also to our friend, Larry Cohen. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Kathy says, play with better players and keep the humility about your game. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.